0: Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. Last week I was taking my dog Lola for a walk and she knocked over an entire recycling bin. And I'm not talking about the small ones that are the size of a cooler that you bring to the beach. No, my dog knocked over one of the big ones. You know, the the ones that are about four and a half feet tall and they get picked up by a robotic recycling truck? Yeah, that happened. I'll tell you the whole story. I'd had Lola on a retractable leash, and we were walking through a neighborhood that we like to walk through every morning, and it must have been a recycling day because some homes had their recycling bins out front. And in this particular neighborhood, there lives a big male Labrador who my dog Lola is in love with, and his name is Brady. Now, I live in New England, and as you can probably imagine, or maybe I can't, Every other male dog in New England born in the last 20 years is named Brady because of the Patriots quarterback. Anyway, uh, Brady's a big dog, and the woman who walks him every morning is small. So when Lola and I are walking through this particular neighborhood, we, we saw Brady coming our way, and Brady's owner sees us. Uh, she will remove his leash completely because she doesn't want to be dragged by her giant dog. But I never unleash Lola because I'm afraid that if I do, she will run away with Brady and never come back. So, so what ended up happening the other day was Brady was unleashed as per usual and he ran over to get Lola's kisses because she loves to kiss him. And then the two dogs ran around because they were excited to see each other. And because Lola was still on this leash, she, she ended up running all the way around this tall recycling bin, wrapping her leash around it in the shape of the letter C and then toppling it over so that almost its entire contents spilled out into the street. And of of course, it was my dog's fault, so I asked Brady's owner to hold Lola's leash while I picked up all the boxes and papers and plastic containers and put them all back into this bin. It was quite a scene, and of course Lola was no help, unless you count her running around with an empty container of hell of a onion dip helping. Anyway, I was only thankful that it was a recycling bin and not a trash can that got knocked over. Folks, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. I like to talk with interesting, creative people. Sometimes on the show, I'll do a funny bit. And sometimes it's just me talking with you. Sometimes from the bathtub. There are no ads on this podcast, and there is no Patreon set up for it. If you love the show and you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality literature... Please consider purchasing one or two of my books. To date, I've written, edited, and self published nine novels that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find all nine of my stories in ebook format at Google Play. Just type my last name, which is spelled M A S C O L A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you prefer paperbacks but you don't use Amazon, you can find most of my novels in paperback format at barnesandnoble.com. BN.com if you're in a rush. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. people are the enemy listeners this is episode 222 of the people are the enemy podcast thank you so much for checking it out thank you for for spending time this is a great one folks on today's show i'm going to be speaking with past people are the enemy guest my name is blue sky about the fx comedy drama series atlanta now i will warn listeners ahead of time that there will most likely be spoilers so if you haven't watched any of the first three episodes of season three yet and you don't want to have anything spoiled for you You may want to watch those three episodes before you listen to this episode of the podcast. For those listening who do not know the show Atlanta, I'll provide you with a brief overview, okay? The series centers on college dropout and music manager Ernest Earn Marks, played by Donald Glover, and his cousin Al, who is an up-and-coming rapper who calls himself Paperboy, played by Brian Tyree Henry. The show also stars Zazie Beats, who plays Vanessa, or Van, who is Ern's ex-girlfriend and the mother of his daughter, Lottie. And the fourth and final primary character is Darius Epps, played by Lakeith Stanfield. Darius is described as Al's eccentric right-hand man and visionary. As I'd mentioned, Atlanta is described as a comedy-drama, and what prompted me to invite Skye to talk with us today was a tweet in which he wrote, quote, So... Can we talk about this Atlanta first episode? Is there a book club or something? Because dot dot dot, a lot to discuss in this one. End quote. And right you are. I saw Sky's tweet after having watched the first episode of season three myself, one of the more dramatic episodes of the series so far, titled Three Slaps. And I invited Sky to talk. Now our guest, my name is Blue Sky, is a music journalist, musician, and most recently a DJ. All of April, for Autistic Acceptance Month, Sky's show, Hidden Planet Radio, which can be heard on Los Angeles' streaming radio station, Moonglow Radio, will be focusing on songs by people on the autism spectrum, or songs dedicated to those on the spectrum. You'll find a link to Moonglow Radio in the description of this episode. Right now, I want to get into it. I want to talk to our friend Sky. I've got him on the phone. I'm dying to talk about Atlanta. Hello, Sky. Are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, it's so good to hear your voice. It's It's been a while since we spoke voice-to-voice, voice, Sky. The last time you and I talked was in July of 2020. How have you been?
1: Well, unfortunately, I do not have my record label up and running. Oh. Um, well, it's changed a name since then, but uh, at this point, you know, I'm trying to build financial support, for one. And secondly, I'm still not really convinced that anyone wants to jump aboard a label if nobody knows, you know, the artist enough. After all, you know, it's hard. For some people, it's hard to really sell records or sell tapes uh, when they don't know you. They might do it if the artist is, like, really freaking awesome. Uh, It's happened before. Um, Death Bomb Arc uh, sold... Uh, tapes by a rapper named shady and i believe you know before it even truly came out of was pre uh it sold out wow so, so i don't know if i really have that kind of pull but i do have uh, some artists that i would love to make sure to get some attention see it, it's it may be about my love of music but it's also about the fact that there are some artists that i really love that i think should really get plenty of attention and um you know, for the art, there, there are too much music out. There's too much music out here that is so freaking awesome, and I want to be like, "Here, here! Listen to this! This is awesome!"
0: It's nice that you've got the DJ gig now, so you can definitely highlight some of your favorites. You know what I mean?
1: I'm glad that um, Moon Glow Radio took the chance on me and uh, on Hit and Plant Radio, and uh, this April, I'm using it to highlight. Um, Autistic artists.
0: That's awesome. I
1: already got um, One is going to be playing this Sunday. And uh, I have it weekly. So I have four weeks and a whole lot of stuff uh, to check out. In addition to the stuff that I already know and I already put in, I have a lot of artists to dig through. And I will be putting in work, making sure that these radio... Um, that this radio show is not like hella fucking sloppy,
0: right on. Either man.
1: in terms of the way that I transition the music, or you know how my voice comes in. Unfortunately, I cannot do that. Uh, I'm 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 kind of like dumping at this point so i'm sorry if it seems like i'm saying too much
0: that's okay that's okay this is all good information and we want we want to get folks to listen to your program so i I, like i said i'm definitely going to put a link in and i I recommend folks check it out because it's important what's what sky is doing here for sure and i recommend you check it out sky it's, it's been you know i've invited you on to talk about atlanta it's been just under four years since the last episode of season two of atlanta it was a long time between seasons were you at all concerned that when the show finally returned, it wouldn't be as good?
1: I uh, never had any doubt
0: right Some on. people
1: only have those some people have those thoughts right around the second season the first season the first season was great, but it's almost like, how are you going to top this and that's and if you the second season is great, which it is, then at least for me, I do not have a whole lot of doubts that the third one's going to be good too, yeah. I have this thing where, you know, let's talk in music terms. You have the first album, you have the amazing first album, and then after that is The Sophomore Slump. Yes. Like, are you going to be able to beat The Sophomore Slump? And the ones that are able to beat The Sophomore Slump, you're not really worried about the third one. You know, they can make a weak third one, or they can make the best one. All I know is if you're able to turn out a really awesome second album then people are less worried about third album because now you got them now you're able to really hold them and even if the third one is crap you know the next one is going to be like really great it's going to be a really great bounce back
0: i love that analogy i love it I
1: wasn't really worried yes i'm like i i know they're gonna kill it Awesome. I, I have faith in them. I have, I have faith in everyone involved.
0: So far, so far, I think they are killing it. it Sky, in my intro, I, I gave an overview of Atlanta and its four main characters. In the first episode of season three, the latest season, only one of those main characters appears in that first episode. We see him at the very end, for only a short moment. Of Atlanta's four main characters, do you have a favorite?
1: Uh, I think, um, throughout all of them, you know, the favorites always swing between Paperboy and Darius. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. People love Darius because he always seems to have like that very, you know, random yet like highly elevated kind of thinking. Like, like he's very reserved and very like spaced out. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and, that's um, a good way to it put seems it like people really love that even though he may say things that you know in some ways may seem dumb it, it isn't it isn't really dumb in the context of the show or in the context of the situation for example uh i think and i forgot what episode it is uh, Darius asked a regular like some random dude if he can measure his tree. Yes. <laughs> so it was almost like what what kind of man will come up to another man and ask <laughs> measure your tree and what for? Yes. Only to find out that the reason as to why he measured the tree is because I think because the tree can really affect the power lines, I guess. It could it could really like knock shit down. Uh, if, if you're not careful, because not all trees are very
0: sturdy. Yes. No, if, so. they, if there's if there's a moment that made Darius my favorite, because he is always my he has been and still is my favorite chara- main character. That was it. When he's, he shows up there and I think he's wearing like ski goggles on his head and he's like hanging out of a car and he's like, You mind if I measure these trees? It was so it, it was so out of nowhere. It was so absolute non sequitur. I loved it. I was going to ask you. Darius is like
1: the real favorite, and um the reason as to why I say Paperboy or Darius. Yeah, Darius is Darius as a character, as a whole character is a, is a standout. People love him, and um people love Paperboy. People love to go through Paperboy, but I personally think that the reason as to why Darius may have a leg up is that Paperboy probably wouldn't be, wouldn't quite be the favorite. Like he, if he wasn't the rapper. Right. So it, it's not like people don't like people. People love Paperboy. People want to see Paperboy win. Yes. We, like, like even though the protagonist is Earn, Paperboy is the fo- and his um, and his career as a rapper is the focus. Absolutely. So if you want to talk about you know the character, like the lovable character that people seem to. You know, really like get a kick out of people get like a whole kick out of Darius
0: for sure. Did you feel at all because like Darius doesn't show up until episode two of of, of this season when when he's in uh, Amsterdam. Now, i I felt like I felt like Lakeith Stanfield wasn't playing the character as eccentric as he had in the first two seasons of the show. Did you Did you feel that way at all?
1: Uh, he he was he's still the same Darius. Yeah. You know, I guess, you know, he's still the same kind of random person. Remember, in the second um, season, in second season, in the second episode, he randomly mentioned, you know, having his balls crushed in Nigeria. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. I forgot and, about uh, that. That's right.
1: Somebody, somebody who watched the whole thing. Uh, Watched the whole Atlanta thing. Says it was a callback to an episode where he's like, "When is the perfect time to talk about having my balls crushed?" Back in the day, oh I thought God. it was a metaphor. I thought you know, having your ball crushed means you know, getting laid. Yeah. But you know, he actually hasn't had his balls. Yeah,
0: crushed. that's right. He has that conversation with Van. I forgot about that. That's right. Right on, man. I, you know, I had no idea other than. Um, you know, other than the very beginning of the the this the first episode of season 3 with the two men talking in the boat. Do you remember that scene? I'm sorry, repeat that again. In the first episode of season 3 with the two men, the black guy and the white guy talking in the boat. Do you remember that scene? Yes, and, yes. And and the white guy is talking about like the town underneath them. This really kind of scary story.
1: Yeah, Lake uh, Lanier. Yeah, Lake Lanier. I yes, they made, I don't know whether they made a documentary or a horror film, but they recently made something about Lake Lanier. Everybody's talking about Lake Lanier in uh, Atlanta.
0: Had you had any idea while watching the first episode that you know with the um, the the lesbian couple that adopt the Laquarius character or you know take him in that that was based on a real story? I think I may have
1: known that at one point, but kind of forgot.
0: I had I just no it idea.
1: Was a whole metaphor, um a whole metaphor for slavery.
0: Exactly. But but more, moreover, they... moreover it was it was there was a couple in 2018 who adopted like eight African-American children and then uh-huh. and then killed them in the same manner in the, like driving the car over a bridge. I had no idea. It was called the heart murder, heart family murders. I had I had no idea until after I was I had watched the episode and then was researching it to speak with you, and I said, "Oh my God, this is based on a true story." Now the only difference being, of course, and this again, spoiler alert: the the kids in the Atlanta show live.
1: Mm-hmm. That's uh, the main character.
0: Yes, but no, I see. I absolutely agree with you. That is obviously an analogy and a. Uh, um, a parable in, in that way you know to uh, to slavery for sure in in the three slaps episode when we see loquarius acting out in class at that beginning when the teacher announces that they're all going to go see black panther 2 and he starts dancing on the desk and uh gets in trouble and his mother and his grandfather are being called into the school to talk about his bad behavior and then his yeah, mother then his mother they sp- did not want to be called in no they do not they do not and his mother scolds him out she takes him out into the hall and makes him do a dance do you remember this scene and the,
1: yes, and, and I'm like, this reminds me a lot of that meme where uh, an actual black mom uh, asked a kid to do all the Fortnite dances. You know, he was in trouble. He was completely in trouble, but asked him, you know, since you want to dance so much, do all the Fortnite dances on camera. Oh, wow.
0: Did you did you at all feel like Laquarius's mother, the grandfather aside you know, because the grandfather does slap the kid three times, hence the name of the the episode title. Did you feel like she was abusive enough to warrant, like, Laquarius being removed from the house?
1: That is a weird question to ask a black person, because if there's anything that we are used to, that we are used to, Extreme ways of parenting.
0: Uh
1: Uh-huh. I just told you about the story about how... (laughs) um, About how this kid had to do Fortnite dances when he was in trouble. Yes. I don't think that, you know, way of doing things is particularly new to black people. We tend to, like... Some of the black parents that we grew up with really took things too far. (laughs) we may have told you about, uh, you know, may have told you once or twice about, you know, the spankings we've gotten and all that. There are some people who don't do that and instead uses something a little bit more traumatizing, such as, you know, doing fun things when things do not feel fun. So I'm not saying that any of it is right or it's wrong, but it's something that we're used to. It's we're as traumatized as we are desensitized about the matter. Wow. So right. I, don't, I, I can't accurately ask as to whether or not asking a kid who is in trouble to start doing dances in front of the teacher is abusive, even though it, it's... I, I don't know how to answer that question.
0: Okay, no problem.
1: No problem. It's just that's something... That's like a little... Slither in time that you know some kids are just used to. So it's so we it's so it's a situation that we're so used to that most people you know think that is just how parenting is that that's just how you do it.
0: What do you think happened to the caseworker in that first in that first episode of season three? You, You you see her coming in and she. She is immediately horrified by the way the children seem to have be, are being treated there. And, you know, they say they're hungry. One little girl is sick. And she says, I'm going to get you out of here. And then one of the moms comes in and says, hey, can I talk to you outside for a second? And then you don't see the caseworker again. And she comes back and says, oh, it's problem solved. Everything's fine. And then later on... You see, Laquarius walking out, and he looks at the trash, and he sees like the caseworker's clipboard. Well, he has that nightmare too about the caseworker, her head being in the fridge. Of course, that was just a nightmare. But do you think in the story it was it was supposed to be like that? The the moms killed the caseworker.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was inevitable. Yeah. In every art, in, in every horror film, whenever someone like a caseworker is coming in. To check on the victim to make sure that they are coming to safety, the villain of the whole thing kills them, so there is no salvation for you know the victim that just might face death in some way.
0: Right, right. So that's like there's
1: always someone that's completely willing to step in and save them, but never quite uh, does it. Never quite does
0: it. And then the villain dispatches that person, gets rid of them. That's a horror yeah. trope. I get it. Thank you. Sky, one thing I love about Atlanta is when the show uses magical realism. We, we talked about this a bit before we started recording. And I mentioned how in the first season, I, I didn't know if you'd remembered this, that there was an invisible car. And I, <laughs> I think it's like mentioned. And then I think in like one really quick scene, you see somebody get hit as if like, but you don't see the car. You just see them kind of flying through the air. In the, yes. sec- in the second episode of season three, titled, Sinterklaas is Coming to Town, uh, Ern, Al, Van, and Darius are all in Amsterdam, and at one point, Darius and Van attend a strange, what's called a living funeral, for a man Darius believes is Tupac. Now, mind you, this is supposed to be in 2022, and Tupac died in 1996. Do you like yeah. it? Do you like it when, when Atlanta does things like this?
1: I completely trust their uh, creativity, but I always thought it was... At first, I didn't think that it was Tupac, but I kind of get the reference because Machiavelli was playing. Machiavelli the oh. Hail Mary, which is supposed to be the the Tupac's name.
0: Yes. And the guy...
1: I, I, I just thought that was random, but I never really you know, looked, looked at it like, you know, they are killing Tupac here in Amsterdam.
0: Yes, in 2022. I, if, and
1: if it was, I would have thought it was kind of a reference to people saying, you know, Tupac never died in 19, you know, in 1990-something. Yeah. And, you know, he's still alive. He, he's still, like, living in Africa or living in Italy somewhere.
0: It's, um, it's odd if only because, like, when when I just
1: they it was a reference like a a very funny reference yes. to that situation
0: when when the when the um plastic comes down over the man in the bed's face who may may or may not be Tupac you see him for a moment and you think like maybe that is Tupac <laughs> because he kind of he's got the goatee and everything he's got the bald shaved head you know it's hard to tell but i didn't know how you felt about that i don't know if folks who love the show the way you and i do are at times annoyed by that kind of thing where it's sort of like meta-fiction, you know what I mean? Uh, but I remember you saying that one of your favorite episodes, which is like this pivotal episode uh, that was supposed to be like the one that kind of kicked it into high gear as far as the show's popularity, was um, Nobody Beats the Biebs, in which Just, Justin Bieber is played by an African-American.
1: I'm gonna dunk on a bitch. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was great. It was great. Uh, in season three, we see Earn waking up next to a woman who is not Van. And at one point, Van says she has a boyfriend, and it's not Ern. In the first season, at least, I remembered Ern and Van being a couple. Were you surprised to learn that they were no longer a couple in season three?
1: Uh, not as much. I think uh, the real situation is that Ern and Van are in a situationship. Yes. So they're not in a relationship, but they do have a baby, they do... Have sex, they do have sex with other people, but they're not in like a, a relationship relationship, yes, not until like maybe later on in into the first series into the first season
0: yeah i i I went back and started watching the last few episodes of season two to see if there's a point where it shows them no longer together and it, mm. it i i didn't i mean, either i didn't go back far enough to to remember or um or they just never reference it and suddenly, you know, they're seeing other people by season three, you know, but I think you're right. I think it's just, yeah. it's taken that you kind of are left to understand that sometimes they're together and they're taking care of Lottie together and other times they're, they're with other people. And obviously I mean, like Earn is couch surfing constantly. So he's never, he seems to never be in one place for too long.
1: I mean, there are two episodes already on season, in season one, that'll pretty much give you the idea that they're not in a relationship.
0: Which which one? Yeah, go ahead, please.
1: One is value, where Van and uh, his Van and her friend were talking about how this woman gets by on you know screwing football players and no trying to tell Van that this man is screwing around on you, so you really need to know your worth, know your value. Um, And it was uh, Juneteenth Where at the very beginning You do see him With another uh, Woman So It's almost It's a situation It's not Like they were ever You know Exclusive right. Into a relationship Because they're always Having sex with other people And so does Van Right on Yeah So uh, The Clue that pretty much Tell you that they're No longer in a relationship Anymore And they made this like incredibly freaking obvious was uh, Helen. Helen in um, season two where um, Van celebrates her German roots uh, with something that is like close to like Oktoberfest. Yes,
0: I remember that one. Mm -hmm. Right on. Good points. Sky, the show's... Go ahead, please. it,
1: it, it It didn't shock me to see him with another woman. And, you know, after Helen, it was pretty much obvious that, you know, they're not really in a relationship like that. They're not exclusive.
0: Right. Sky, the show has featured some great, um, you know, part time, like, you know, smaller characters like Bibby the Barber episode or uh, where Cat Williams played Ern and Al's Uncle Willie in the Alligator Man episode, which is maybe my favorite episode of any of them I've seen so far. Um, meaning I haven't seen all of season three. Uh, The Teddy Perkins character, of course, who had his own episode. Do you have a favorite guest character or side character?
1: I still say... (laughs) I low-key still say Justin Bieber.
0: Right on. Okay. I'm
1: sorry. What what made it funny uh, was that he was pretty much a vision of... uh, He was a question mark. He was... What how would they have thought of Justin Bieber if he was black? Yes. You know, because in real life, Justin Bieber would hang out with a whole lot of black people, you know, doing a whole lot of troubling shit, but he gets to turn around to uh, the public and say, you know, this is not me. I'm, I'm not these guys. I love Christ. You know, I'm a good boy. I'm do this <laughs> and totally get people back on his side. Yes. But the question is, would that have been easy if Justin Bieber was actually black.
0: Yes. Yes. It posits a great question. Excellent. Excellent.
1: Uh-huh.
0: My favorite well, recurring character, guest character is is Al's ex-con friend, Tracy. You remember Tracy had the waves. Who's he, he's always getting Tracy. into trouble and he's always pushing Ernst's buttons. Do you think we'll see Tracy again?
1: I mean, it really depends. Yeah, um we they left him uh in atlanta yes
0: yes they show him for a brief no, moment like he shows up with a girl
1: show up yes but sorry it will be it's gonna be quite the episode if they do
0: no kidding because i think i think that the, the the time before last and you're right yeah he shows up at the house there i think after they've left for europe and he's with a girl and he's like banging on the door like where is everybody but the time before that I think was like the last time you saw him when when Ern and Tracy get into a fight and Ern gets gets knocked out in the street by Tracy.
1: Yeah. Because um people were no longer wanting him to be the manager. Oh. But it the whole reason as to why um the college party thing went wrong was because of Tracy. Yes.
0: You know, elevating shit. Yes. Yeah. Always oh, trouble. He's always trouble. But I love that character. I think it's just like, I love the fact that he pushes urn's buttons, and I obviously understand that he's a, in in most ways a villain or an antagonist. But uh,
1: I, I don't know if, he, if he's like he's not. Uh, I guess he's the, he's the villain in the situation. But yes. I think more like he's um he's what they say that friend that you can't take anywhere. Yes. <laughs> Like the friends who always start in trouble yes. and re- really just, you know, make it shit worse for the friends.
0: <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. I, I yeah, I, I, I really hope that we see that character again because I'm dying to know how he'd come back into the picture and what he would do this season. And, and speaking of this season, we're, we're, we're supposedly going to get 10 episodes for season three, which we're, you know, we've gotten three of right now. And then later this year, we're supposed to get another ten episodes. That will be season four, and that'll be later in twenty twenty two. So this year, we're getting twenty episodes of this show, um, and that'll I be. I did
1: not know that it's all going to be this year. and yeah. I am. Ex- I I am excited. You know, Sky, The more I, Atlanta, the better.
0: I didn't know either until I looked it up. Honestly, before you and I started talking, I said, I said, I thought to myself, I said. I think this is supposed to be season three. Is supposed to be the last season. I, th- I said, I better check on that just to make sure. So I found an article from literally like a week ago and it had all this information about season three and it looked pretty, pretty accurate. And it said that they shot season three and season four back to back. And so there are 20 episodes done and they're, they're, they're rolling out season three, as you know, right now. And then I guess they're going to take a break and then they're going to roll out the rest of the 10 episodes that they shot and that will be considered season four, and then that will be supposedly it. like that will be the the end of Atlanta. do you think do you think Van and Ern will end up together by the end of the the season four?
1: I mean, there's always a possibility. yeah, I'm not gonna say they will. I'm not gonna say that they won't, but already in like the last two seasons that we've seen already it feels like there is like very awkward, complicated feelings that they have towards each other. For sure. Earn has this, like, at point where he feels like he really wants to see how Van is doing, and Van is at the point where she is really trying to move on from Earn. Yes. Like, you know, I can approach Earn as a friend, but in a romantic, you know, I really, really care about you standpoint, she's like, no, I, I don't feel that way towards you anymore. But she, she won't say it. It's to a point where it's, uh, Van pretty much has trouble just coming out and saying, we had our fun, but, you know, I, I don't feel this way towards you. And I think it's because it feels like, in a way, Van still feels for Urn. in a way van still feels for Urn. they have a history yeah so imagine moving on from from what you know just and thinking that's just going to be easy
0: yeah it's a great show and and i really appreciate sky you giving me your time today to talk about it this has been so much fun buddy i really really appreciate it and i know I know I caught you in the middle of, of, of lunch and <laughs> doing other things, but I, I sincerely appreciate you making time for me. And I'm going to make sure to include links to everything, uh, and I want you to folks to check that out, and obviously stay tuned for the rest of the show, because we've got another segment coming up with Rachel, and uh, and and that'll be it. Sky, any any final words before you and I say goodbye?
1: I'm usually good at these. <laughs> like, I, I, I would have a very, last, like, the last words to completely end things on a high note. But right now, um, pizza and waffles.
0: Pizza and waffles. I love
1: it. Breakfast of champions.
0: Rachel's Chart Chat with Rachel from Des Moines right now. Stay tuned.
2: Thanks, Andy. Welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. I'm Rachel in Des Moines. This week, Sirius XM 70s on 7 ran an AT-40 from March 23rd, 1974. Now, I don't know why they don't have some kind of even orderly rotation for the years, but it seems random in a way where they'll play a 74 chart only five weeks after they lasted. And the weekly Hot 100 chart on Billboard.com has columns of data for the position of the song this week, what it was last week, what the peak position is, and the number of weeks it's been on the chart. Now, unfortunately, these are not sortable columns, but I was able to use Excel and determine that on this week's chart from the 23rd, there's 48 of the songs have been on for less for five or fewer weeks. So we would not have heard them last time they did 74 back in February. And the reason that I thought of making checking on this is... I heard the Rolling Stones song off Goat's Head Soup, Heartbreaker, doo Do doo Do Do," And I was like, this is a good song. I should put this on the chart picks. And I remembered, like, oh, you already did that. So this was very, they've re- replayed it recently enough that I've been doing this segment. So on to the picks. Again, this is March 23rd of 1974. And you know I'm going to have a seven and a half minute funk song for you. That's just the way it goes around here. Um, this is Chameleon by Herbie Hancock. And Wikipedia says this is a jazz standard composed by Hancock. Uh, And this song is definitely on the funkier side of jazz. Uh, This week it's at number 96, and it would get all the way to number 42. And you know, if we're going to have a seven and a half minute funk song, we got to also have a two and a half minute one. So we've got Pepperbox by The Peppers, and I looked them up. They're a French instrumental group. And their song is at 86 this week. Uh, Next up, we have a single from drummer Cozy Powell. And... If his name sounds familiar, it's because he formed with Greg Lake and Keith Emerson in the 80s to form Emerson Lake and Powell briefly, and they had a song called Touch and Go. But like a lot of drummers, he had been around with different groups, and this is a solo song of his. It's called Dance with the Devil. Up next is a song from Loggins and Messina. Of course, Kenny Loggins and Jim Messina. It's called Watching the River Run. It's at number 73 this week, and sadly, it would only get up to 71. But I'd say it lives on in the y- Yacht Rock web series. So if you haven't checked out the Yacht Rock web series, this one features prominently in one of the episodes. And our final pick for the 70s chart is T.S.O.P. The Sound of Philadelphia by M.F.S.B. Featuring the Three Degrees. At This, this week it was at number 16, but it would go on to hit number 1. And this was used as the theme for Soul Train TV show. And Wikipedia says this was the first TV theme to top the charts. Uh, and we know from last week that SWAT, theme from SWAT, would also be a number one hit. Um, and I'm sure there's many more, but this was the first. It kind of surprised me, to be honest. And our gratuitous Simpsons reference for the week is John Denver's Sunshine on My Shoulder. Uh, in the episode where they get a pool is preceded, precipitated. By, this, by there being a heat wave in Springfield and a hippie was singing sunshine on my shoulders, busking on the sidewalk, and it made someone mad because it was a heat. You don't want to hear that in a heat wave. Uh, next up, we're going to March 28th of 1987. A lot of good picks from this week. This chart is really great for if you want to dig into some artists that you know they're big hit or you know they're a big song that they're known for. There's a lot of stuff on this chart that's like an, a lesser known song of theirs, but still good. Um, and I also want to give an honorable mention to the Boston album, Third Stage. There's a song on the chart, Can't You Say You Believe In Me. Um, they also have a good song that's not on the chart. I don't even know if it charted, but it's called Holly Ann. And if you like that first Boston album, Third Stage is also really great. And I went through a phase last year where I was listening to that a lot. And it's like it sad it's kind of sad, but in a good way. So the picks from the 87 chart, the official picks, I've got uh, Anita Baker's Same Old Love and Anita Baker, I believe, is kind of in that same position that some artists find themselves where they don't own their masters. So there's not a lot of Anita Baker stuff on Spotify. It's like her bigger hits and in compilations. I don't see really many of her albums on there. And I believe she's trying to uh, re-record her songs so she could own th- those recordings. Don't quote me on that. But if, you've, if you don't know Anita Baker, I definitely recommend checking out whatever is available of hers on Spotify. Uh, just a beautiful voice and very sweet and romantic songs. Next up is "The Secret of My Success" from the film of the same name by Night Ranger, and this is from the the duology of Michael J. Fox to have stayed home and not moved to New York. But I think things work out a little better in "Secret of My Success" than "Bright Lights, Big City." But this is a fun up tempo song from Rockers Night Ranger, and it's not so much of a plot rock song, but uh, it's kind of a. I would not ex- expect it to be a Night Ranger song, other than it. You know, it says it right in front of me. Up next, uh, going back to on more of the love song side, we've got "Always" by Atlantic Star. and people around my age may remember them from the song being in a one of those popular compilation CD record and tape ads, and it's just a really sweet song. And returning to Kenny Loggins again, we have "Meet Me Halfway" from the Over the Top soundtrack, and you know, everybody knows Kenny as the soundtrack king of the 80s, uh, Caddyshack, Top Gun, but you can't forget this, this one. It's definitely in the power ballad vein. Up next is I'll Be Alright Without You by Journey. This is off their Raised on Radio album. Uh, this is the one that uh, Randy Jackson played bass on. And, you know, talking about listening to songs that they're sad but just breaks your heart in a great way is I'll Be Alright Without You. It's, it's really like that for me listen to this one a lot I found it very emotional there were moments I you were uh, up next is nothing's gonna change my love for you by Glenn Medeiros and this is one that they must have played a lot when I was a kid because I feel like I could have not heard this song for 10 15 20 years and I hear it again I could just sing right along with it maybe you feel the same way too Next, we have Candy by Cameo. And so this is exactly what I'm talking about. It's like everybody knows Word Up. Like I would think any generation of people have, have heard that song. But Candy, it's a, little, it's a little less known, but it's still really good. And if you haven't heard Carl Tart on Comedy Bang Bang as Larry Blackmon from Cameo, he is really funny on there and re- actually references Candy in the character. Next, we have a song by Robbie Neville called Dominoes. And I could have sworn this had been used for a Domino's pizza commercial, but I could not find any evidence of that was the case. Or so perhaps Domino's recorded a sound-alike and just did it without his knowledge. I don't know, but it's a cool song. And that's another one, you know, Robbie Neville, everybody knows C'est La Vie. This is another song he had. Uh, up next is one of my personal favorites, Brand New Lover by Dead or Alive. And so again, everybody knows, uh, oh boy. Uh, you spin my right around <laughs> but this one it's also super cool and i uh I, at the end of every girls episode there would oftentimes be a needle drop of some really dramatic pop song and i always thought if i had a show like that i would put brand new lover in there it just feels like that i can see it over those bright colorful credits so easily of course you got to have my man steve winwood uh this week we have the finer things one of his songs, and with this little feature on Spotify desktop where you can see the play counts, it surprised me that The Finer Things is less than some of his other ones, but I think it's really great. And I love the opening line, it says, while there is time, let's go out and feel everything. And the last pick from the 87, I chose I Knew You Were Waiting for Me, a duet between George Michael and Aretha Franklin. I feel like that's maybe a well-known song. I I don't know. Uh, as an 80s fan, I really love it. It's, it's a pairing that you wouldn't necessarily think of, but I think it really works together. And I'm sure that George Michael had incredible respect for Aretha. Must have been thrilled to be able to record with her. And I'm glad that they teamed up and made it work. So uh, I've mentioned that the Sirius stations, obviously the 80s station does their countdown and 70s, and the 60s has satellite survey. And this week I decided to dip a toe into the 90s, they were playing a 91 chart. And I haven't finished listening to it yet, uh, but from what I've heard, it's a great chart if you love slow jams, there's so many great slow jams on there, and metal power ballads. So if you're in the mood for that type of music, Check out that chart. I've got it on my account. Uh, before I go, I want to give a plug. A shout out to uh, Jeffrey who runs VJ Big Suit. He has a Twitch stream where he plays music videos from the '80s, and it's really cool how he mixes them all together and plays uh, some picks, unconventional picks. I would say, and also takes requests from the chat in the Twitch. So definitely check that out. Um, I would attended on this most recent Friday night. Uh, he usually streams on Tuesday nights from 8 to midnight Central Time, but then just follow the account for other times that he's streaming. It's a lot of fun. I recommend checking it out. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at rhadaway. You can also check out my last FM. If you like this kind of music, maybe we can see other kinds we have in common. That's Rachel Pie. Thanks so much. Back to you, Andy.
0: Thank you, Rachel. Love that chart chat. I recognized that Herbie Hancock song, Chameleon. And I only know one Herbie Hancock album really well, and that's Headhunters. Because a friend of mine gave it to me uh maybe two, three years ago. He he was purging his CDs and he said, You want any of these? And I said, Yeah, I'll take that Herbie Hancock. And uh and I listened to that in my car a lot. And and it's wild, but that chameleon song, and Rachel mentioned this, the 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 single version, the single version is seven and a half minutes long, which is obviously very long for a single. The initial track is twice that. <laughs> it's over fifteen minutes long. It's it's, it's but Headhunters all to, all told is an amazing album, and uh, I I'd, I'd suggest you check it out if you like Herbie Hancock or you like that sample of Chameleon. The entire album is amazing, and uh, Kenny Loggins appearing on both the nineteen eighty seven chart and the nineteen seventy four chart. Wow, Kenny Loggins knew how to write a hit, man. He knew how to write a hit. I wonder if he still does. I don't know. He's still around, right? Hope so. Anyway, uh, folks, this has been episode 222 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, my
1: name is Blue Sky. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.